Hello and welcome to this episode of GTalk, Ask the Expert. GLP is a leading global investment manager and business builder, investing in, developing and managing assets in logistics real estate. In Europe, GLP operates in 12 countries with over 270 assets under management, totaling 7.9 million square meters with another 1 million square meters under development. Today's subject is delivering net zero together, and I'm fortunate to be joined by a great panel of experts. Gathered round the table in studio are Rob Wall, Assistant Director of the British Property Federation. Hello, Rob. Hi. Steve Malkin, CEO and founder of Planet Mark. Hi. Hi, Steve. And from GLP, we have Natalie Cooper, Managing Director and Head of Portfolio and Asset Management and ESG GLP Europe. Hi, Hi. Nat- Hi Natalie. And joining us down the phone is Joe Garwood, uh, Senior Development Director from GLP UK. Hello, Joe. Hello. Uh, welcome to all of you, and I'm delighted that you could spare the time to bring your expertise to today's topic, Delivering Net Zero Together. Uh, so let me start with a bit of scene setting. The built environment accounts for as much as 40% of all global greenhouse gas emissions, according to the World Green Building Council. Two of the major sources of emissions in commercial buildings are the operational emissions from the energy used during the building's use and the embodied carbon of the materials that are in the development, refurbishment, maintenance and end of life of a building. The industry needs to act to transition to a zero-carbon economy and to meet the net-zero targets by 2050. To limit the worst of the impact of climate change, developers and occupiers must work together to sign up to the net-zero targets. Uh, Rob, coming to you first, the climate change crisis is obviously a challenge to all of us. There have been warnings about the scale of the crisis, particularly from the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, including one from the co-chair of the working group behind their most recent report, Jim Skier. He said, it's now or never if we want to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees. So what's been the British Property Federation's response to all of this? Well, Paul, we first of all recognise that there absolutely is a a climate crisis. And we recognise that the sector, the property sector, has a critical role to play. As you said, 40% of emissions come from the built environment. If you look at buildings in particular, it's around 25%. So we won't achieve our net zero targets. We won't achieve our net zero ambitions unless we decarbonise our homes and buildings. So you say, what is... You've asked, what is our response? Well, probably twofold, really. So firstly, we're working with government and policymakers to unblock some of the barriers that property businesses face. But also, we've recently launched an industry initiative called the BPF Net Zero Pledge. And that's all about speeding up the transition to a net zero property sector. So we're asking all of our 400 members to take the pledge, which not only commits them to having net zero targets and plans in place, which is obviously fundamental, but also commits them to working together, uh, to cooperating, to collaborating, to sharing insight and experience, basically to supporting one another on the journey to net zero. And for us as the lead trade association for the property sector, getting industry to work better together is absolutely key. Yes, you've got that uh, slogan, haven't you? Sign up, share and support. You've done your, your homework. For your, net, well for your <laughs> net zero pledge. Uh, Steve, you must uh, welcome this initiative. We really welcome this initiative and it's a, a great example of uh, an organisation, you know, BPF, recognises the role that it's got in you know, bringing its members together who have huge you know, influence you know, across a, a, a huge market sector and beyond 
the property sector actually, to deliver in net zero. And it's an example of where trades associations can use that pulling power to exert influence on policy, uh, but to mobilise actions, you know, in, in businesses, um, you know, across the UK. And setting out a really clear net zero target and pledge is critical because that also forces organisations to actually fundamentally understand what it is, which I know we'll cover today. Okay, we did a podcast actually earlier in the year about the initiative between GLP and Planet Mark, and you can find that in all your usual podcast places or on the GLP website. Uh, But for the benefit of today's listeners, um, perhaps you could just explain a little bit about what that initiative is. Sure thing, yeah. So the Planet Mark is... uh, it's effectively it's a stamp, it's a mark of progress in sustainability, and uh, we certify those companies which are taking direct action on the climate crisis by measuring and reducing their carbon emissions on an annual basis, and we're taking many of those into net zero. So we work across sectors uh, with very large organisations, be that like Google or Amazon, but literally to hundreds and hundreds of SMEs across the UK and beyond and demonstrating that they can measure and reduce their carbon on an annual basis and they can get enormous business benefit as a result. So we're in quite a good place to understand what's happening out there from quite a you know, business-focused level where there's challenges and where there's also huge opportunities. Yeah, because you, know, you spend a lot of time talking to different organisations and different people. Are more and more people recognising the need for this net zero pledge or the movement towards net zero? Definitely. And I think that, you know, you, we just look around us as human beings and individuals and we see, you know, um, the climate crisis, the energy crisis, the cost of living crisis, all of this stuff is unfolding. There are the challenges of our time. And I think uh, most organisations now understand the responsibility and the opportunity that they've got to take action. You know, there's a direct correlation between reducing carbon, cutting energy and saving money. So if you're looking at your bottom line as a business, there's massive benefits from reducing costs and carbon and energy. There's huge benefits in demonstrating that your organisation takes it seriously because people want to work with purpose-driven organisations that meet their own values. There's huge opportunity in winning business where you align with your customers' needs. And there's huge opportunity also in building value in your business in terms of whether it's investor value or whether it's the opportunity to be funded. Because in actual fact, getting to grips with your carbon footprint is one of those fundamentals that everybody looks at. So what's the length of time that you work with companies? So we work with companies year after year, relentlessly reducing carbon. What's amazing about the GLP initiative is that they're sponsoring their customers to do it for a two-year period, which really helps us get underway measuring and reducing their carbon emissions. And they're doing that for free? For free of charge. That barrier's gone away. All we now need to do is help them get their data together and then we'll get cracking. Natalie, coming to you, because GLP was an early adopter of this journey towards net zero. Tell us a bit about that journey and what GLP has been doing. Sure, and, and you're right, Paul, it is a journey. Uh, things do take time, and we actually adopted very early on sustainability and environmental criteria within our build. And over times and decades, we actually explore in expanding our knowledge, our expertise from embodied carbon as well to operational carbon. So it's fundamental now for businesses to have a response to climate risks and to net zero. It's becoming critical for any business operating in the real estate industry and others. So... Um, as you mentioned before, we're managing quite a significant portfolio to date. And this, with this comes also opportunities in spreading, you know, the word and the systems and the processes 
from best practices from one country to another. And that's something that is extremely important to us as a business, but is also something where we believe that we can drive the change as a business because our core responsibility as an investor, as a manager, is also to ensure that we're mitigating as much as possible risks for uh, reputational and financial risk for our investors. It's essential uh, to us. And Steve talked about value creation. That's essential. We don't believe that you can anymore optimize, you know, returns, get engaged with your stakeholders and respond to value creation if you don't engage on ESG topics and solutions. So that's absolutely essential to us. Yes, you're in touch with these three different communities as well, because you've got the investment community, you've actually got the development construction community, and you've got your customers who are operating and using the buildings. So it's quite a widespread of knowledge that you have and you've built up. That's correct. We are in a very good position, actually, because you can touch on on a very wide universe of actually players within, you know, delivering net zero. So that's important. And that's one of the reasons why actually um, one of the core principles in our philosophy in delivering net zero is partnership. It's partnership definitely with our customers, and we're going to talk about this today uh, within this forum, is a partnership with our investors by being clear, giving them a sense of direction of uh, trajectory where we're going and allowing them to start measuring, to start comparing and evaluating performance. And lastly, it's also about partnering with the local communities and our employees. Well, you're, you're partnering with Planet Mark as well, because you actually have a, an initiative that's, that's ongoing. Uh, Joe, tell us a little bit about how this initiative with Planet Mark and GLP came about, and then also explain a little bit about what it is. Well, we've, we've been working with Planet Mark for about four years now. We've had a really good experience. Um, Steve and the team were always positive and looking for ways to help us chuck carbon. And we were looking at ways to extend what we've done so far. And in that four years, we've managed to certify 22 buildings and save nearly 100,000 tonnes of carbon, um, which has been great, but we want to do more. And as Natalie says, partnership is, is obviously the way to try and leverage that and increase that circle of influence. So we looked at our customers, and in, and in the UK, we have 60 buildings. In, in, on, on the continent, we have about 280, 82 buildings there. And not every building has a different customer, but there'll be multiple customers per building, or per uh, many customers and the, the buildings. And in partnership, we can try and really drive the, the carbon cutting as we go. So of that 40% you referenced earlier, 28% of that is operational carbon. So that's a nice target to have a go at for our portfolio. Okay, so, so the, you're going to focus on the operational carbon. Steve, coming to you, how does it work when you engage with a customer in a building? What, what's the process? We kind of got a really simple three-step process that everyone can remember. You know, it's about measurement, engagement and communication. And we know it works. So organisations certified to the planet mark can get double-digit reductions in carbon year on year. And that's absolute carbon emissions. And, and that's really what we should be aiming at. That's in line with science-based targets. So this first step about measurement is helping organisations get hold of data that they've already got like their energy you know, data, which could be energy bills, it might be their meter readings, it could be waste data, business travel, and so on. And you take that data from them that they have, perhaps at financial year end, and you turn it into carbon. 
and that then creates a carbon footprint for an organization. And the second step about engagement is critical. So you've got your data, it's turned into carbon, and then if you engage people in the process and you say, listen, this is your carbon footprint, they set a reduction target, how can you hit it? Employees and other stakeholders can help make that happen. And the final step around communication is reporting it openly, transparently, and honestly. And that's, a, that's the checks and balances we do as a certification. But it also helps that company say, look, this is what we're doing and this is what we're achieving. There's some places where we've got to do better, but actually this is what we're, where we're taking action you know, on the climate crisis. And it works. Joe, uh, coming to you then, you, you mentioned 100,000 tonnes of carbon saved. How do you do that? Let's look at the nitty gritty of an actual building or an asset. What, what's the process? What kind of things can you do? So we do um, measure our carbon footprint for our buildings, which is embodied carbon. And that's one thing that we do as a um, process that we have in place. But what we really need to do is try to focus on cutting the carbon of the operational of that operations of that building. So by measuring, as Steve says, we can get a hold of that key data um, of what that building is doing year on year. So we're sponsoring the first two years, as Steve said, and that, that allows it to um, to improve year on year. But in terms of features, which we have low, very efficient buildings anyway, with low U values on the cladding, rainwater harvesting, air source heat pumps, solar thermal, all those sorts of things. And there's always scalability on that as well with other options like solar and battery storage, of course, in, in the future. Energy use is obviously the key with operational carbon there, and you've got lots of different ways of saving the energy. Uh, Rob, is there anything that you'd like to comment from an industry perspective you're seeing uh, across the country? Yeah, I mean, what GLP are doing sounds fantastic. I suppose just a, a couple of Thoughts really. So it's it's not just about how you get new buildings to net zero. The big challenge is really probably with existing buildings. So how do we refurbish and retrofit existing buildings to get to a net zero standard? That is the big challenge that I think many of our members, many property businesses face. And also it's about having the supporting infrastructure in place. You can design and build a fantastic net zero building. But you also need access to the energy grid. So there's challenges around capacity in the energy grid. Uh, you need access to skills and supply chains. And also you need um, support and resilience in the planning system. I think planning reform is going to be key to delivering uh, a net zero future. Okay. Well, you've all been on the net zero journey for a while. What What's next? What else needs to happen, Steve? So I think that some leadership would be really good. Yeah, so we're seeing business leadership here around our table, uh, you know, the BPF and GLP saying, look, this is important to our organisations, it's critical to our future, so we're going to take a lead on it. It would be great if it's supported through into policies that we might see from central and local government. I think we need to see great consistency in the data that we're pulling from organisations and uh, reporting through ESG uh, so that people can trust what is being said and, and reported to them. And that trust is essential to support change because in that you know, data and in that sort of evidence that's provided, you can make informed decisions, but also you can hold some organisations to account who may not be doing everything they say they are. Rob, any thoughts from you about what needs to happen next? I would just build on, on what Steve said. So I think from an industry perspective, we do want to see that, that radical collaboration that we've touched on earlier. Uh, and that's about the whole sector and clients, customers, tenants, supply chains, really working well together. 
And on the leadership point that, that Steve touched on, I think from government, we need to see some real leadership. We need to know that government is committed to the net zero agenda and to the net zero targets and to working within industry to find some of the solutions to the challenges that, that we all face. Well, Natalie, leadership, but you're taking that role across your portfolio. Yeah, we, as I said before, we, we believe that we must be part of the change, any single of us or any business. And you, you mentioned governments and one of the examples as well in France, you have a decret tertiaire which has set very clear targets and quite challenging targets for businesses. Let's be honest, when you have to decrease by 40% your carbon emission by 2030, this this is a wake-up call for a lot of businesses. And unfortunately, I think until we get these regulations, until we get this push from governments, it's going to be really hard to get businesses to commit truly. So I, I would tend to agree that a need from governments and some kind of regulatory framework, a little bit more you know, powerful, would help. In our case, um, we took the leadership by saying that we can't wait. There needs to be something, something needs to be addressed. And we have the ability, as we always said, you can do things well and you can do badly. So we picked up to try to do our best in um, you know, tackling the uh, climate risks and the net zero. So initiatives such as you know, working in partnership with Planet Mark and BBF are absolutely essential for us. Um, they are important. They are important because they give us a sense of uh, standardization. You can go back and track evidence on how better you are or not. And generally, businesses want to have a better understanding and how over time they will progress and improve. Uh, it gives also a level of credibility uh, and transparency, as well as accountability. Uh, once you start to commit and pledge, it's really hard, you know, to come back or to say, we didn't mean it. <laughs> so I think it just contributes towards the, the alignment where we have to maintain actually the key objective here, which is the Paris Climate Agreement. So that's a bigger picture. And okay. having such initiatives really helps to keep focus on the day-to-day, -day, but also long-term. There was all some criticism of the government and the, the need to set mm -hmm. targets. But as Steve says, before you do that, we need this reliable reporting and the data measurement and the, some kind of standardization uh, for that. What, what are the challenges that we have today with reliable reporting? Well, we have a lot of challenges because ultimately targets are dependent on the quality of your data. So it's almost basic, um, you know, approach where you need to trust your data. You need to understand and measure it well in order to be able to have a full picture and then set up the targets. So if you currently the, the industry and most of, you know, the, the, the real estate industry players are working with either data which are incorrect or they're working with a lot of estimates. So it's really hard based on that fundamentals to have a view of where we should be going. Um, so we have actually taken the position where we need to prioritize data gathering in an automated way. And with that, we, we're looking at technology solutions. Rob, what about some of the industry-wide moves to standardization of reporting and measuring data? Yeah, I mean, I would agree with Natalie that data, good, reliable, quality data is, is the biggest challenge that members face in terms of getting access to that. But I think more broadly, there is a lack of standardisation right across the industry. Um, and there definitely is a need to, to try and coalesce around some common standards, definitions, frameworks, benchmarks. 
And there are moves afoot to do that around, for example, a common definition of, of what net zero is for the sector. But again, you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but, but government does have a role here because we need to be confident that whatever standards or frameworks the industry work to, that they are the same as or at least aligned to whatever regulations or legislations government puts in place. So, you know, we talked about partnership a moment ago. That has to include policymakers and ministers so that we really are all pulling in the same direction. Steve, you're working with different companies um, and you're at that front end. Like you say, the first step of your process is measurement. What do you see as the challenges with reliable reporting? I want to come back on these two points, actually, because, you know, we're talking about data and it sounds like we're you know, pulling data from massive corporates and huge organisations who probably should get their arms around their own data anyway and know what they're up to. We work predominantly with SMEs, small, medium-sized, you know, organisations who could be on a high street, they might be in a trading estate, they might be in your, you know, uh, distribution centres and across your parks, but they're all sorts of sizes. In actual fact, getting the data from them isn't difficult. They've already got it. So, you know, a lot of this is the energy data, actually it's the utilities type stuff that we want to get and they've got. So we have a system of helping them get that, showing the value of actually bringing that together in terms of cost saving, reducing your operational overheads, using it then to report openly and actually win business as a result because you can then answer bids and tenders in a much, much better way if you're a business to business organisation. And actually if you're, you know, working with consumers, members of the public, it just gives them great trust in your organisation. This data is available. What it helps to do is work with organisations like us and many others like us is to pull that data, put it into a space that you can then play back to that organisation for their own purposes and use and then play back up to relationships like this with GLP and the BPF where they can say, actually, we're now getting our arms around lots and lots of this great granular data. We've got that system to do it and it can totally be done. What you then should do is work in amazing partnerships where we can influence government saying, do you know what? All these organisations out there get it, yeah? And that's why they're operating and doing this stuff anywhere in net zero. Don't put a threat under net zero. You want to get your shoulder right behind it, yeah? And with that key sort of statement, the whole thing will move much faster. But I want to stress that businesses are already doing it. They're underway. They're getting their arms around their own data. They're seeing benefits from doing it. What we actually need is the government to step up and get on with it and get behind net zero. Joe, coming to you, what are some of the um, actual nitty-gritty individual ways of measuring data? Steve's talking about obviously getting the energy data there um, that the company probably already has, but what about some of the other solutions? Well, we're really focused on removing the barriers for customer engagement on this. So obviously we're offering this free certification for two years. And on top of that, if customers are worried about the time it takes to leverage the data or get the data. Um, if they don't have a smart meter, we'll be helping them to put that in. And really, just the, the nuts and bolts of bringing that sort of information together, really. And the, the more customers we get signed up to do this, the better. Because, you know, if you want to go quickly, you go alone. If you want to go further, you want to bring people with you. And that's the ambition of this um, project, is to bring as many customers along with us on that journey. And so it's about engagement, uh, moving to Steve's third uh, yeah. bit. 100%. It's all about engagement and customers. And most of the customers, it's, it's about pushing on an open door. They get it. They want to be part of it. Um, it makes sense. And from the customers I speak to on a day-to-day -day basis, 
they're very conscious about um, sustainability and ESG and they want to do more. So this is why we want to work with people on, on this basis. Just to add that to uh, Joe's point about customer engagement, again, going back to the spirit and the philosophy, which at core of what we're doing is partnership, we've been working very much with engaging with partners, you know, outside GLP businesses in bringing the framework, this expertise and know-how, because we do believe that, as Steve said, most of the companies, they have sometimes solutions, but they don't know they have it. So they are simple, just support and assisting our customers in engaging with us on, on these topics through green leases. So we're introducing, uh, you know, we have been introducing for years now green lease provisions to ensure that this discussion don't happen at the end of a commercial point when you start engaging with your customer. But So, so what, it, what is a green lease? How, how does that operate? It's specifying actually uh, behaviours or expectations without putting a punitive, you know, string to it, just in a collaborative way that we are owners and developers and landlord that do believe in partnership. And once you take, you know, hold of these buildings for a certain period of time, it's about exchanging information about the occupational side. So sharing data. Uh, if you do decide to alterate, you know, the buildings or the inside of the building for any of your use, tell us so we can help you because we have an ESG catalog with a wide range of feed-outs, features, choice of materials, choice of equipment that will be much more beneficial to you. So in that concept, we have introduced a number of tools, tips and tricks that actually support businesses that either don't have access to the expertise because, as you may say, they might be small and they don't have finance behind just because they don't know and thirdly, because they don't feel like a landlord uh, is engaged. So in our instances, we really wanted to tackle all these aspects by creating a very wide range of customer engagement measures. As I said, from an ESG catalogue to bespoke actually action plans uh, with targeted uh, measures or initiatives that we can you know, roll out over a period of time. Okay, so it's about then sharing the data and sharing the expertise. Rob, have you seen that kind of perception and the desire for that sort of thing growing in the BPS point of view over the last couple of years? How have you seen perception change? Yeah, so there's definitely been a, a real shift both in perception and I think in, in reality. I mean, I guess the, the first thing that jumps out for me really is that the whole issue of sustainability is so much higher up everybody's agenda than ever before. And actually, it's really the market that's driving many of the changes that, that we've been discussing today. And also that that is forcing the sector to invest more time in building relationships, as, as we've just touched on, as we're discussing today, ensuring that landlords, property owners uh, invest in building relationships with, with clients and tenants. Because you can build net zero buildings, but it's but it's if they're ready to be net zero, then it's important that they're used in, in the right way. And that's about working with tenants to ensure that they understand how to use buildings, etc. And that's why it's so great to, to be here today listening to GLP and Planet Mark talk about the work they're doing with their clients and tenants. OK, well, you said the clients, landlords, construction, obviously tenants. Uh, you didn't mention the regulators, though, you know, we have mentioned it before. What would you like to see from the regulators? This is going to sound quite boring, but I would come back to data because I still think there are real challenges 
that the sector faces in accessing quality data. And if you can't get the data, you can't develop your baseline, you can't develop your net zero plans, you can't report. So yes, it's important to invest in relationships. But if you are the property owner or landlord of a big retail park with hundreds of different tenants, that can be really difficult. So I think there is a role for regulators in mandating data sharing. And I think also maybe with the right incentives, maybe tax incentives, we can encourage more investment to be brought forward so that we get to net zero more quickly. Steve, you're nodding there. So uh, some of those things you'd like to see from regulators. I'd agree with, with everything that Rob said, and then plus some more. So, you know, if you said, right, we kind of got this space. So we kind of like bring it down to earth a little bit, you know, like literally. <laughs> if we could set up the right sort of regulatory environment, if there were some sort of, sort of incentives for organisations to, to take action, you can then get in front of them and talk about what it means to them as an individual, you know, as an organisation with a bunch of people in it. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it's a bunch of people. So we're gonna, we've got climate tech, we've got digitisation, we've got automation, all of this stuff that can extract data, pull it together and play it back out in a whole bunch of different ways, whether it's reporting for Gresby or whatever it is, a highfalutin sort of way, or just a bunch of people in an office. Uh, or in a retail park or in a distribution centre, and you can just sometimes show a pie chart of a carbon footprint, right? And on that pie chart, it's got a bunch of different segments, a bit like Trivial Pursuit, and it's got a bunch of different numbers in there, yeah, big ones, little ones, and say, right, okay, that's your energy, that's your electricity, that's your gas, this is the stuff to do with your waste, this is the carbon associated with your waste, that could be your plastic and your packaging and things like that. Here's a bit about your water, and here's some stuff around transport, travel, and so on. And say, right, what can you do about it? Because no one wants the climate crisis, you know, we all care, you know, and so then you just ask them to take action. So once you've got that framework in place, let's take your retail park as an example, you could go into those businesses, each individual one, you can say, what do you want to do? We've got some ideas, tips and tricks. Yeah, we've got some money up our sleeve to help. But in actual fact, it's about you taking action and people want to do it. And so, that's the most exciting thing. So it really does come down to individual responsibility and that we can all we can all muck in and help. Within the framework of a business as well. So if a, mm. you know, the framework of a business is extremely powerful. There's massive reasons for a business to do this thing. It's actually quite straightforward to get started. And then you unleash the passion of their people who have got lots of knowledge, lots of understanding about where they can make improvements in your own company and then let them go. And then report each year and let them know how much progress they're making and they get really excited about it. And they do more. Natalie, are you still optimistic about the future? What do you see coming next? We have to. <laughs> we have to be optimistic. But also, um, if I may just uh, rebound on one of the, um, the points that um, was made before around data sharing and business continuity, we also have to acknowledge we're in this industry where we're buying, we're selling, there's a change of ownership over a period of time. And creating this accountability you know, for new owners and sellers to share the data, to be much more transparent about the performance and the state of the real estate would be also really welcome. I mean, we are investors. Sometimes we do struggle when we buy an asset to assess actually what is the asset we buy and how you evaluate the financial impact of non-ESG performance asset or ESG performance asset. So more data sharing, more continuity in actually the implementation of um, the road to net zero throughout the different ownership would also be beneficial as an industry. So transparency is the key at an asset level, Steve? Really helps. 
Yeah, because then you know how to deploy any investment you might want to make in that property. And the return, because of the energy crisis, the return on investment for zero carbon, low carbon solutions is very, very fast now. So, you know, if the investment is ready, if you know where to deploy it, then, you know, get that low carbon tech in there and your asset is then going to sort of stand the test of time. It'll be part of the transition. Joe, we still live in a world where it's caveat emptor, so it's up to the buyer to find the problems with a building. Uh, Is there any way that that you can see that changing with the attitude shift? How can this transparency be be activated? I think with data, granted data sharing, um, I think that's going to be helpful for everyone involved. I think it's going to be win-win for customers and uh, landlords. And in terms of the trends that you were asking about earlier, I think... Solar is going to become is going to be much more widespread across the logistics industry. It's it's not there at the moment, it's, it, but it will be, I think. So I think those are the sorts of things that we might see going forward, and that will help with transparency with certain technologies like that coming involved. Okay. Uh, final thoughts from the rest of you, Natalie. Well, a lot have been said, and I think what's what makes this discussion really motivating is to see how many people actually engage in the discussions and. Surprisingly, sometimes we can say we can we operate in silo. Uh, we don't want to hear or share. But for one of the first time in one of the topic, which is EHG, that's the first time in the industry, I find people willing to share, willing to listen, and actually reaching out to you know different investors, different pool of stakeholders to engage and understand a little bit more. So we're slowly moving away from a fearful reaction to SD and start realizing actually there's much more to gain through engaging together and there's true value creation actually if you do embed all these principles within your investment decision process, within your asset management process. So we're slowly moving from fear to actually there's a lot here to gain for everyone. Joe, final thoughts from you. I think what will drive um, change in our industry will be a mixture of collaboration and competition. And and I mean friendly competition between ourselves and our competitors. Um, But there's going to be, um, because ESG isn't really a a competitive point, so there's lots of things of ideas to swap amongst uh, our peer group. And with our customers, we learn from our customers as well. They learn from us as well. So... I think it's a a mixture of those two things which will help drive the agenda forward. Steve, final thoughts from you. So Net Zero is really exciting, right, because it brings organisations together. So if your business works with any other business, it's almost certain you're going to go to Net Zero because it's a drag along, because you can't do it on your own, because your scope one and two emissions, don't get technical here as a final thought, but your scope one and two emissions, your sort of electricity or gas, they're somebody else's scope three. And they're going to ask you what your carbon footprint is, right? So it's a drag along. So you're going to do it anyway. Best thing to do is get cracking. It sounds very big and scary and it's not. Yeah, you've got the data, you turn that into a carbon footprint and you'll start your net zero journey like literally tomorrow. And then my final thought would be, don't forget, net zero is fantastic. It's going to really help the transition. But in actual fact, it's not the end game. So net zero is a stepping stone, a stage, very important milestone on the way to regeneration. Net zero is about doing less bad. Regeneration is about doing positive good. And that is the place that we'll get to. And net zero is a fabulous step along the way to that. 
That's all we've got time for today on G Talk Ask the Expert. Uh, but for now, my thanks to Rob Wall. Thank you. Uh, Steve Malkin. Thanks. Joe Garwood. Thanks. And Natalie Cooper. Thank you. My name's Paul Shearer. Have a lovely day. Thanks for listening to this episode of G Talk Ask the Expert. You can find other episodes in this series in all the usual podcast places. Be sure to subscribe. You can also find out more on GLP Europe's website, eu.glp.com. <laughs>